talks about all the days of your life are written in God's book before there ever was one of those days. You remember that? And then I told you to jump on ahead and read 2 Kings chapter 20, really the first eight verses. Did anybody besides Buster do that? Buster informed me when he came in that he did it. Good, very good. All right. You say, well, I've read it before. It's worth looking at again. So that's where I want you to open your Bible to tonight. 2 Kings uh, chapter 1. Now, why are we talking about the providence of or the sovereignty of God? Can somebody tell me, because we're in the book of Esther, but we hadn't been there in several weeks. <laughs> okay, Connie, because uh, the, I think the central theme probably of the book is that God's in control, that God, God orchestrates uh, the, uh, the pathways of our life to enable us to be a part of something that He's up to. And remember, we talked about we talked about the sovereignty of God, or the sovereign will, and the permissive will, and that's what we're really getting into here: the permissive will, which means that God allows us to do something. What is it, class? He allows us to participate by our choices. Our choices. So his will, the sovereign will, is important to understand. He's going to accomplish that. That's his eternal plan. It's going to be accomplished. The permissive will is that God has created you. He's uh, given you a, a window uh, of life. And he's allowed you in his sovereignty, he's allowed you in turn to make choices that don't ultimately prevent his plan from happening, but determine whether or not you get to be a part of it and get in on it. Does that make sense? So your choices, that's why your choices make a difference. All right? Now, Hezekiah was a good king, wasn't he? But he got a a, a diagnosis that he was sick and he was going to die. And so he did something. Look, follow along with me in verse 1. In those days Hezekiah became sick and, it, and was at the point of death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die, you shall not recover. Wow. I, I mean, the doctor came, the prophet came in this case and says, Look, <clears throat> you're going to die. Get things in order. Now, Isaiah wasn't being ugly. You say, that's not a very good bedside manner. But uh, I've seen a lot worse. But Isaiah is saying, look, Hezekiah, you know, I'm the messenger of God. You you are going to die. The illness you have, you're not going to recover from. All right? Verse 2, then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord, saying, Now, O Lord, please remember how I have walked before you in faithfulness and with a whole heart. And have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And before Isaiah had gone out of the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him. Turn back and say to Hezekiah, the leader of my people, thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Behold, I will heal you. On the third day, you shall go up to the house of the Lord. And I will add 15 years to your life. I will deliver you and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria. And I will defend this city for my own sake. 
and for my servant David's sake. By the way, I, that's, a, that's a, another idea, but you see how you can be a blessing to the generations that come behind you? And Isaiah said, bring a cake of figs and let them take and, uh, uh, and, let them take and lay it on the, the boil uh, that he may recover. So whatever the wound was, this was the way God was going to do it. Uh, just a footnote, um, oh, verse 8. And Hezekiah said to Isaiah, What shall be the sign that the Lord will heal me and that I shall go up to the house of the Lord on the third day? And Isaiah said, This shall be a sign to you from the Lord that the Lord will do the thing that he has promised. Uh, shall the shadow go forward ten steps or go back ten steps? And Hezekiah answered, It is an easy thing for the shadow to lengthen ten steps. Rather, let the shadow go, then go back ten steps. And so Isaiah, the prophet, called the Lord and brought the shadow back ten steps uh, by which uh, it had gone down on the steps of Ahaz. Now, by, by the way, um, uh, isn't it interesting? Uh, there, there was a fig cake medicinal response to his sickness. Put this fig, fig cake, a fig newton, on the wound. Um, now, that just seems a little strange, doesn't it? Because you know Hezekiah had the best care possible at that time. Why do you think God puts a fig cake on him? Uh, as opposed to uh, Naaman the leper, who was told to go down and bathe uh, seven times in the Jordan. As opposed to the man in the New Testament that Jesus told put a mud pie in his eyes. Um, as opposed to the little girl that he just took by the hand. As opposed to the woman who just touched his garment. By the way, we always talk about the woman who touched the garment. Y'all remember that story? And she was healed. She started something. Did y'all know she started something? If you read on a couple of chapters later, it starts talking about other people that would try to press through just to touch the hem of his garment. And it said everybody that did was healed. She started something. Hey, look, she got healed. She just touched him. We got to do the same thing. So I just gave you a bunch of different things. Why do you think God does it that way? Alan? I do not. That doesn't mean they didn't. I just don't. Yeah. Uh, could be. I, I guess it could be. I'm not familiar with the Big Newton healing uh, prior. So... Uh, but that doesn't mean that they didn't, and it doesn't mean that God may be saying, look, you use it you know, one way, yeah, or it doesn't work for you. I can show you how to make it work, you know. Um, so that may be as it relates to this, but why all these different methodologies? Okay, God can, God can move in our lives in many different ways. 
I think that's the, the heart of it is that God doesn't want us to develop a formula. Because it, he says, I can do it any way I want to, and I'm going to because I know how you are. Suddenly, there'll be a new healing ministry called the Fig Cake Healing Ministry. And every time somebody's sick, they'll put a fig, fig cake on there. Y'all see what I'm saying? Or the spit in the mud, mud pie ministry. This is how you do it. This is how you do it. I believe that's exactly it, that God doesn't want us, God wants us to know he can do it any way he wants to. And that the key for us is to obey when he tells us how to do it, right? And that was the lesson for Naaman. And, but I, I firmly believe that. Okay. Now, <clears throat> last week, you know, we said, okay, so we got a limited amount of time, right? All your days written for you, okay? And then we see Hezekiah praying and getting an additional 15 years. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I thought the days were already, already set. And yet here he is. He prays and God gives him uh, 15 more years. Now let me give you some. I hope I can articulate this right so that you get it. I believe when the psalmist writes that all the days of our life are written in his book before there ever was one, does not mean that he can't extend those days or that you can't shorten them. This is his pre-creative plan for your life. This is, this is the way. Now, let me ask you something, class. Had Hezekiah not asked God to extend his life, would God have extended his life? There's no indication that he would have. At the, by the same token, was God compelled to extend his life because Hezekiah asked? No, that's called sovereignty. So a sovereign God says, I created you, Doug, and here's the window. Uh, that's my preordained plan for you, days. But as we talked before, Doug could do something dumb. In a fallen world, he could make a choice. If God has allowed in his sovereign will for you and I to make choices, then you can make a choice to interrupt what God has intended. Look, this, here's, maybe this will help. The sovereignty of God does not preclude God's flexibility. You say, well, I, I don't understand that. So? Welcome to a long list of people that don't understand it. All right. Put you on the spot, Margaret. Did you do your homework, I ask? Okay. Well, you, Margaret, now, M Margaret asked a very good question. Last week, was it, Margaret? So, um, Margaret's first husband, uh, I, I never knew, but from all I heard, just a good and godly man. And um, and he died. Was it cancer, Margaret? Yeah, lymphoma. And and Scooter died. But but Margaret and I'm sure many others in this church prayed, God extend his life. God extend his life. But God didn't. So how do you process that, Margaret? What did the Lord teach you? in that is kind of the question I ask you share with us what the Lord taught you 
in that uh, whole experience. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Uh, a, a couple of things, by the way, that she just said. Number one, uh, sometimes you need to be honest with God. There's something about us because we're good at not being honest with each other. 
that causes us to think we can be dishonest with God and God doesn't get it. <laughs> uh, and by the way, God is big enough to handle your feelings. He, he's big enough to handle your feelings. So uh, uh, being honest with him is a huge thing. Uh, number two, he talked about he didn't understand. Let me just, let me take a burden off of you about life, whether it's that kind of situation. You don't have to understand everything. We have been raised to think that everybody owes us an explanation. We hear it all the time in this world. And if you can't give a rational explanation, then you don't deserve to have a voice or an opinion. God is not, the sovereignty of God does not bind him to helping you understand. Now you say, well, that seems kind of cold. Do you know sometimes what God is wanting to get you to do? Say, I just trust you. Even when I don't understand you. I just trust you. I don't understand you, God, but I trust you. I, I'm going to say I trust. And I have, I, I think, there, and there have been times in my life where I've had to just say, God, I, I trust you, but I don't understand this. Um, I trust you. Um, sometimes God, God is, now, now listen, by the way, if you could, we could interview Scooter. No disappointment in Scooter. Um, Scooter wouldn't say, yeah, uh, God didn't give me more years. I'm, I'm still a, a little miffed about that. God did heal him, and that's not a cop-out. God did heal him. Y'all believe that? Doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. He didn't heal him the way I, I, I want him to heal. And it is okay to say, God, I'm praying for this. Now, so, God is sovereign, so he knows what's going to Thank you. He knows what's going to So why do we even pray? Because of the story of Hezekiah. Because of stories like where it says, and God relented. God's sovereign will is not preclude his ability to be flexible you say well that that's hard concept it's all right you're not god that's why you don't understand it we're going to arrive in heaven and we're going to realize something you know what we're going to realize there was a way of things operating that transcended the the ability of the smartest human mind to understand and in that moment the bible says we will know even as we're known. Right now we see through a glass dimly, but then we shall see fully and clearly. So we pray because God may say, yeah, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, my plan was here, but I'm going to extend that plan. If, I said it this way, if we can make choices that that interrupt that plan, right? 
person takes their life or a person says, I'm impervious because my days are up, so I'm just do whatever I want and know that if it's my time, I'm going to my... That's called stupid in the Greek. So we can interrupt, right? Uh, so if we can interrupt that window, it is just as probable that we can call on God to extend it. Does that make sense? This is his plan. But God says, I'm going to kill him, Moses. I'm going to kill him. And Moses says, God, don't kill him. And it says God relented from what he was going to do. So we pray because prayer is effective. And if Hezekiah has, didn't pray, we know for sure what would have happened to Hezekiah. Now, one other footnote about that. So when we pray, there's an important aspect of prayer that makes our prayer effective. Belief, all of that's. I mean, if you go in, you have no, you have not because you ask not. Number one, but if you go in and say, and a lot of times we pray in unbelief. We pl- we 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 pray religiously. I pray because I know this is what I'm supposed to pray and say. Uh, but the prayer of faith. You say, well, I prayed the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith puts you or those you're praying for in the position if God sovereignly chooses to respond. But it isn't a command. See, I, I, I have a problem. There are a lot of folks out there who say, well, you just tell God what you want and you just believe it. And God, God is not bound to it. That's dangerous stuff. But here's the caveat. Here's what makes a difference in prayer. When we pray, we pray according to God's will. And in the end, God's will may say, in this case, I'm going to heal, but I'm praying for this young man. I mentioned, I, I, I pray, and man, I, I mean, I, 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 got, I got on my face for God for this young I don't know why it came over me so strong, but I, I was down praying for him and, and begging God. God may not heal him, but I'll tell you this, it didn't keep me from praying, God, bring him through. And here's what I prayed, God, for your great namesake, I borrowed Moses' prayer. God, let the doctors know at the hospital that in the end it's you. Let your name, let let them be able to stand and say, for your great namesake, uh, this man was healed. Who sinned, this man or his mother? You remember that story Jesus said, told us? Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he should be born blind? Now, that's a pretty dumb question. So how could he have sinned before he was born? Have you ever thought about that? Who sinned, this man or his parents? How could he sin that he was, and, and then be born blind? But at any rate, who sinned? And these were religious people. And you remember what Jesus said? Neither. This man was 
born blind for the glory of God. Everything, people, everything sooner or later, sooner or later gets back to the glory of God. I mentioned that a couple weeks ago. Everything sooner or later gets back to the glory. What is going to bring glory to God? Have you ever thought about this when you're praying for... Is it possible God says, I want them here in my presence? It's, I want them here in my presence so they can bring glory to me here? Because remember, we've been, we haven't been put on this, in this, on this planet to live forever. We've been put on this planet to be a part of the great plan of God and then be translated to live forever with Him in His presence. So praying in his will is a huge thing. Now, having said that, we have to be careful about that. Because you know what happens? Praying in his will oftentimes just becomes a cliche. Lord, heal this person or extend this person's life or Lord, do this or Lord, do that uh, in your will, uh, uh, according to your will in Jesus' name, amen. And don't get me wrong, I, I think that can be appropriate, but I think it becomes a cliche. Does, is that, y'all know what I, I mean? We, that we just kind of tack it on at the end. And sometimes, if we're not willing to really pray a prayer of faith, we add that on the end because we can always come back and say, well, it wasn't God's will. When it might have been, but we just used it as a cliche. Now, some of what I'm talking about here tonight has mystery in it, okay? It has mystery in it. And that's where it gets back to say, God, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are your ways higher than my ways and your thoughts higher than my thoughts. This is about, I, I want everything to fit and I want God to explain it all. And God doesn't always explain it. But he does always say, trust me. This morning in my time with the Lord, I was reading about the arrest of Jesus in the garden. After, you know, when he's there and they come and they get him, they bring a, over a hundred soldiers and it's this great passage uh, where uh, they said, uh, are, are, you, are you the Christ? And Jesus said, I am he. And the Bible says they all fell down backwards. Power of his word. But I, I don't tell you that. To, I don't talk about that to tell you that. I talk about that to tell you you go on. And you and you um, you hear Jesus say uh, he's trying to get the disciples out of there. He said, "Take take me, I'm it." And he talks about uh, how I have accepted this cup. I've accepted this cup. In other words, I've accepted the will of God. This is the will of God. I've accepted it. And, and thank thank God he did accept it. Uh, we're here because he did. But there is, a, there is a point where we say, God, I trust you even if I don't like the outcome or what it, what it entails, I still trust you and I accept your will. God's will is always good and perfect. Paul said that in Romans 12. And so the will of God is, uh, will always bring about, eventually, glory to God. We're going to get to heaven. 
And I think we will understand and see how some of these things that are hard to, to, to swallow, we're going to say, so that's how that worked. That, that's how that worked. There is a way of kingdom uh, 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 thinking that so transcends the human mind that what challenges us right here and now when we get there, will not in any way cause us to go, I still don't, I still don't get it. Does that, make, does that make sense? So that's why we pray. We're praying for the will of God to be accomplished. But it's hard sometimes to distinguish between the will of God and our will and to give up our will for the will of God in the event that it's going to have pain attached to it. Would you agree with that? But the end process, now, I'm going to go back to Margaret and Scooter. The end process could have been a heart that becomes so hard and so bitter that um, God puts them on a shelf. says, I, I can't do anything with you. you. You've become so, have I seen that? Yes. I, I've seen uh, people that, became so bitter and angry at God because of something that happened in their life. And it's not always death of a loved one. It can be a lot of different things. And they, instead, they allow the enemy to use that to produce hardness and bitterness. And that bitterness eventually makes them useless to God. So he just kind of puts them on a shelf. But I do believe this, uh, God, is, God is there in the midst of pain and difficulty in your life. We just, we always interpret the presence of God as me feeling good, right? So if God's there, why, why don't I feel better? Um, I, uh, I sent a note to former secretary of mine she just lost her husband and she's become a member of Ridgecrest in effect by extension she's in Charlotte North Carolina and she watches us every week and uh, I knew her husband uh, and uh, well of course um, for many years she was my secretary in in Florida and and so um, we talked after he died but I was praying, she was on my list, you know, that I made out, and I was praying for her, and I, I, then I just sent her a little message today and say, here's what I prayed for you today, that in this new journey, she's heartbroken, this new journey, that you would realize and know the comfort and the presence of Jesus. I didn't pray for peace, I prayed for presence. Because where his presence is will be his peace. Right? So, and by the way, how you respond to God's will makes a difference. That's why we're so glad Jesus said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. But in the sovereignty. So, okay, next week we'll move on some of these other verses. It's time to go. But we'll move on to some of these other verses. But don't, 
don't miss the fact that God's sovereignty allows him the flexibility to relent, not kill somebody, the, the Israelites in rebellion, or to extend Hezekiah's life, but not necessarily extend somebody else's. That's the, and so that's where we say, I trust you. And with this final note, have you ever had a hard time forgiving somebody? And, you know, forgive, total forgiveness is an important aspect of the Christian life. But it's hard. Somebody's wounded you deeply, isn't it? To just say, okay, I forgive them. What, how do we do? How do we do that? Some, some things are easy to forgive, right? I, don't, I, just, I forgive them. But sometimes it's hard. What do you do? Listen, forgiveness sometimes it's not an event, it's a process. And here's what I mean by that. So I get up today and I say, I forgive Tommy. I, I don't have anything to forgive her of, by the way. She's just close. I forgive Tommy. And then before the day's out, the devil's. So what I do, the next day I forgive her again. And I forgive her again. And I keep on forgiving. It becomes a process, not an event. A process, a process, a process, a process. And one day, I'm down here. And I realize it's, it no longer is an issue for me. So it's a process, okay? I told a story. I don't have time. I wish I did have time. Uh, that illustrates that in my own life uh, with a man. Uh, but... Uh, and by the way, you may have to grit your teeth at first. I forgive them. And watch how God will do a working. I'm telling you, I've been there. But I tell you that to say, so it's a process. Does that make sense? Some things you, okay. You know what? Sometimes trusting God in something that you can't figure out is the same thing. God, I trust you. I don't understand this. Uh, you told me to ask, I ask, I, I don't understand. I heard other messages, I don't understand. I trust you. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Tomorrow I get up and say, Lord, I'm struggling again. I choose to trust you. Not to feel trust, because your feelings aren't reliable. I choose to trust you. The next day, God, you know that thing that I'm sure I, I, I choose to trust you. You may have to do it three or four times. I choose to trust you. And you put, start putting distance. And one day you get down the road and you think, I really am trusting God in that. Wow, I, I really am trusting. Sometimes trust, just like that, sometimes trust is a process. Is that, does that make sense? All right. Well, I hope that's helpful tonight um, and, uh, and useful to you. It, it helps us understand a little bit of these kinds of scenarios, a Hezekiah or uh, God relenting with uh, Israel uh, uh, as it relates to his sovereign will. Yeah, any, I, I know it's 10 after, it's, it's time to go. Any questions or comments before we go?